welcome back to another Food for Thought, a bonus show of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you to our sponsors, SmokingPipes.com, Missouri Mearsham, Cornell and Deal, and Savinelli. And this time we are talking about uh, stage performance, we're talking about musicals, we're talking about uh, dramas, and we're talking about them with a with a with a performer that i met and i got to tell you all i'm excited because i met him at walt disney world a little bit over a year ago at the finding nemo the musical my favorite show at walt disney world uh we're talking with jeffrey korea who plays marlin in the show and uh jeffrey i just want to tell everybody real quickly how we met because uh we were my family was in florida and we were uh, we were going to get a VIP backstage meet and greet because we'd met a couple of the other cast members. And I'm sitting there in the show and I check in on Facebook and Marsha Marsha Kramer re- replies back, oh, say hi to my friend Jeffrey. So long story short, we meet afterwards. You and I take a picture and I send it to Marsha. And about three weeks later, I'm on the phone with Marsha and I ask her, so Marsha, how do you know Jeffrey? And she says, oh, I didn't tell you. Jeffrey is Sandy Duncan's son, so I've known Jeffrey all of his life because Marsha was in Peter Pan with your mom. So let me officially welcome you, and uh, Jeffrey, thanks for coming on, and thanks for doing this. Hey, my pleasure, and hello to everybody who's listening. So you were you were kind of born into a uh, into a performance family. I was, yeah. I mean, my entire life. Um especially when I was a kid, was all backstage. I mean, I have pictures of me backstage at the, um, uh, what was it, the St. James Theater with my uh, mom and dad there performing, or, you know, my dad was doing a, a Singing in the Rain at the Gershwin. It was called the Eurus at the time, the theater, um, uh, being backstage for that, too. Um, so I grew up, you know, backstage, hanging out uh, in the green room, as it was. Wow. All right, so when did you start performing yourself? Um, I've always been uh, artistically inclined. Um, when I was in school, I was big into music. I liked to play the trumpet when I was in grade school and stuff. And, you know, music class was always my favorite, art class and choir. Um, I didn't really start performing myself. I did a commercial for uh, Wheatons, actually, with my mother um, <laughs> when I was, geez, was I 10 or 11, I think. Um, and that's my, that was my first, like, professional uh, taste of, uh, of performing. Um, and then the first show I ever did was called the Dracula Spectacula, uh, which is <laughs> like a, a little short uh, show that we did at a summer camp. And I, I loved it so much that I started pursuing it. Um, and then I, uh, st- I asked my parents, hey, can I go to like performing and uh, a performing arts summer camp? Is that a thing? Um, and we were lucky enough to find a place called French Woods Festival of the Arts, which is in upstate New York. And basically, I went. I would go there for eight weeks every summer, and you would do a show, a full show, like Sunny in the Park with George. And I played George at 16 um, in 13 days. You rehearse it, put it up, and do it. And I learned so much there. Um, then I wanted to keep doing it, so I transferred to LaGuardia School for the Arts, which is the fame school uh, in 10th grade. Yeah. Um, then went to NYU, and I've been uh, acting ever since. So um, it's... Uh, that's where, that's where it started, the Dracula Spectacula at Camp Neshoba North in Maine. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and you've done all kinds of different stuff on, on the stage. You've done a little bit of film, but mostly stage work. And do you prefer more of, the, more of the dramas or more of the musicals, or do you have a preference either way? 
it's interesting. I prefer to watch musicals, but I prefer to be in more, um, you know, quote unquote serious shows just because I'm a little bit, I'm a little dark like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoy the kind of the underbelly of things and the the drama of stuff. Um, But musicals has always been the the main focus of what I consider theater because that's what I grew up with. And also I love it. I mean, uh, Sondheim's work in the 80s, uh, Into the Woods and The Perfect George, um, you know, all those shows that have like um, grit to them, but also where musicals are. That's that's my that's my my real house. Is there is, is there different? I, I guess there's different preparation for for each different style, right? Uh, in terms of like between drama and musicals, there's, yeah. there's obviously different. I mean, musicals usually require uh, a different skill set. Obviously, you have to you're, you're singing, you're probably dancing. Um, they're usually a, a more complex. Uh, plays tend to be a little bit more uh, stationary or or simple, just because they're telling a more simple story. Musicals tend to get grand. Um, or, or larger than life, uh, which is why people sing. When when words aren't uh, expressing enough, you have to sing on notes to express what you're feeling. That's basically the theory of musical theater, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, there's yeah, there's different preparation. I mean, musicals tend to take a little bit longer, I find, but um, I usually find myself emotionally more drained after doing plays, um, just because it's 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 more uh, 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 real, I guess, or or, or you know. It's a little, it's a little more heavy on the. I, I don't want to, I don't want to say this the wrong way because I really don't know what I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's a little more heavy on the acting and more, uh, more. Yeah, it's, heavy, it's heavy on the heart too. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, you're acting, sure, but you are still going through the emotions or going through the the, the motions of of doing those things. So if you're, you know, playing a a really damaged person for two hours every day that's going to affect you over time so it's just you have to keep um it's a little bit more emotionally taxing i find than doing something like grease where you're just kind of singing and dancing and having a good time yeah i've been playing somebody damaged for 52 some odd years here so i know exactly (laughs) what you mean we all are that's why peter's so important yeah real you've done a couple of things with your with your mom how is it working with her does she take it easy on you uh she does my mom is my mom's awesome and uh working with her uh we work very differently um i tend to work from the outside uh in uh, out, uh from the inside out excuse me so uh, outside in is what i'm saying so like i want to know my blocking and i want to see where i am in space and then i kind of can create the inner life from behind it my mother's the other way around where she starts with the inner core and then moves from there um so working we did glass menagerie together um gosh maybe 10 years ago now um which was super intense because yeah. a that play is intense and we were playing mother and son in the show so there were a lot of you know it was kind of therapy on stage for us a little <laughs> bit um but uh she's so and i've learned you know she's been my biggest teacher uh in terms of this business and in terms of my craft and um how i approach things and and she's i mean uh, she's amazing every time she performs she steals the show and she's brilliant so i love working with her and i wish i could do it more honestly um there was a, a terence mcnally had written a play um, called Mothers and Sons, which was done on uh, Off-Broadway a few years back. And um, we were talking of hopefully maybe getting a chance to do that, but it never really happened, unfortunately. So maybe something else soon. Yeah, maybe she could, uh, well, she could come down to Disney World and play Marlon's mother. 
There you go. I think she'd rather drink bubbling hot mayonnaise, but she could <laughs> if she wanted. That is true. <laughs> Ew, bubbling hot mayonnaise. That, that, yeah, that sounds like Walt Disney World in the summertime. Um, hot that's right yeah so before we get to nemo that was not your first time working with a puppet as well as singing and performing right yeah you know puppetry is something that it, it's a very niche um skill set right mm -hmm. uh and it's something that i fell into i did avenue two at theater aspen which is a a, a theater in aspen that's why it's called theater aspen yeah. um <laughs> And uh, I fell in love with puppetry, and I love doing it. I love the external uh, and and the challenge of telling a story through a an object that might only have two movable parts. Like, how do you do that? How do you make this piece of plastic with fur on its head emote and cause a response in audience members and catharsis in an audience member? That's a really cool challenge. So I fell in love with puppetry. Um, and after Avenue Q, I got a chance to do more stuff with puppets. I did, um, as you know, I did Beauty and the Beast, the, the retelling of it um, uh, recently for Disney uh, as Lumiere, which was super cool. I got to help kind of design and, and create the movements for that puppet. Um, and obviously now doing Marlin as well. Um, and, I, and I get to, you know, I'm exposed to all this puppetry uh, uh, work in Disney as, as a company, there's, there's puppets everywhere down here, yeah. um, which is super cool because you get to learn all these different techniques because every puppet is different, right? Uh, every mechanism to control a puppet is, is a little bit different, so it's always a learning process. I think puppetry is amazing. Now, the, the Beauty and the Beast you did, that was on the, that was on the cruise line. Yeah, so um, when the movie, the, the live-action film came out of Beauty and the Beast, um, Disney decided they wanted to do a re, kind of a retelling of the story of Beauty and the Beast on stage, but using the, um, the kind of universe of the, the live action film, which is a bit darker, a bit more real, yeah. as opposed to the cartoon, which is a bit more colorful. Um, and so they, they hired a really top notch team, Connor Gallagher, who was an amazing director, who also was a choreographer. He just did Beetlejuice on Broadway, um, was in charge, was directing, obviously. And we had these amazing set designs and light designs. And uh, Jason Sherwood, who helped do the, um, uh, props and sets and stuff. Uh, he um, just did the Tony Awards and did uh, the Rent Live. Like, there were amazing people were involved in this production. Um, and it, uh, it got, won all the cruise ship awards for best show. There was yeah. talk of Disney moving into the theater that they were going to build and the magic that never actually manifested. Um, so it was a huge hit and it was just a joy to do. And Lumiere has always been a role I've wanted a chance to do and to get to do it in a cool and unique way and to originate it was like super, super uh, uh, cool. And, and I'm so honored to be a part of it. So you had to live on the ship while you while you performed? Oh, yeah. I've done more than that. I mean, I, did, I, I worked on ships for on and off for about four years uh, before that, um, all for Disney Cruise Line. That's how I first got involved with the Disney company. Um, I played Hades in Villains Tonight. That was the original uh, draw or the original casting for me. Um, and uh, so I, I've, I've lived on ships on and off for four years in my 30s. <laughs> oh, boy. So there, there's a whole other show where we could talk about what uh, it's like to live on a yeah. ship and do all that. I don't, know if that, I don't know if that would be really a good idea. I think yeah. Mickey Mouse might not want to be able to talk about that. <laughs> but... Um, Suffice it to say, I've done one Disney cruise, and of course, the performances are the best I've ever seen at sea. Uh, so, yeah, it's top caliber stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, for, for for working on a ship has its own, that that's a whole other issue. But yeah. as a as a product, I mean, Disney Cruise Line is 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 the best in terms of the, the experience for guests, in terms of the performances that you get to see there. I mean, there. 
the shows that you're seeing on Disney Cruise Line are are really, I mean, they're good. Yeah. They're, they're, and and the people that they get to do it are are are, are talented people as well. So it you can't go wrong with that. They Disney definitely does entertainment right. So how do we get you down to Florida playing Marlin? Uh, so um, after I had done my uh, third Disney contract, um, a Disney Cruise Line contract, excuse me, uh, I had come down to um, Disney World and I saw Finding Nemo the Musical and I, I, I fell in love with it. And as a puppeteer, I was like, I really, really, really want a shot at Marlin. Um, so I contacted the casting director, who was a friend of mine named Ray, because I had worked with them a few times at Disney Cruise Line. And I was like, hey, I really want to come down and do Finding Nemo. Can I get an audition? And because this show is uh, has been running for so long, there's a like a core group of people who have done it for a long time. And so there's very few openings. There are every once in a while, but it doesn't happen often that they're looking for necessarily a new Marlin or a new Nemo or a new Gil or whatever it's going to be. Um, so they weren't looking for um, a new Marlin at the time, but he said, hey, we are doing this Beauty and the Beast show. Do you want to come in and be the reader for the auditions? And I was like, sure, I'll hang out with you. And I ended up actually booking Lumiere from that um, <laughs> and, and not finding Nemo. But anyway, so I finished doing Lumiere and, uh, on Beauty and the Beast, and it was, again, such a huge hit. And I think um, the puppetry work that we did in that was uh, compelling enough that I think they gave me a shot at Nemo. Um, and I booked it, thank goodness. James, who was the director, gave me a shot at it, and uh, I've loved every second of it since. So I actually got this job because of uh, saying I would be a reader for a different show. Now, I want to describe kind of what I what I think I see is going on from the audience, you know, from an audience mm-hmm. member standpoint, and see if I'm, uh, you know, we'll, we'll break it down because not only are you I, I don't want everybody to think that you're just running a puppet and and that's it you are the puppet is moving emoting and doing his parts and then you are also playing that character yourself so that your emotions your your responses go along with it and then sometimes they separate from each other and <laughs> And the puppet's doing its own thing somewhere else, and you're still playing Marlin over here. So, um, I mean, it's just incredible that, you know, for me as an audience member and for me as a uh, somewhat critical eye audience member, mm-hmm. uh, I really just forget that I'm watching a show and I end up watching, you know, these, I end up being involved in what these characters are doing. But, that's got to be, I mean, you're, that's a whole different skill set to be able to manipulate the puppet and make it do its job and you continue to do your job. Well, acting and singing and flying and, with wires and a harness and the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, what I was saying earlier, um, I think before we started recording yeah. a little bit about uh, James Silson as director and the whole uh, production team there is, they're so smart in terms of how they create a vocabulary and in terms of how they um, create the world. So I am connected to this puppet um, and you, you watch the puppet's face and then you watch my face and you put the two together and that's where your catharsis is going to come from, right? Because yeah. you see me being sad and then you can uh, kind of uh, put my face on the puppets, which only has a certain amount of movement to do basically. And that's how we're telling the story. Um, however, we'll be split the, the times that we do split are all so specific and and used for such a specific purpose that it doesn't feel like we're disconnected. 
yeah. as a puppet in a person. It just feels almost like the spirit of Marlin is somewhere else. I mean, it's really smartly done. Uh, the direction of this show, I think, and moving. I mean, as you see, there are there are scenes up there with three giant uh, shark puppets and <laughs> two other puppets, and we're, we're running around the whole thing. And, and for that massive dance to work and not have us running into each other or hurting each other or or you know being a mess is is a feat. Um, that they have gotten down to a science down here. They're, it's it's really wonderful. And you get to ride on the back of a giant sea turtle. I do, and I, I, I found my uh, my future husband on the back of that sea turtle, yeah. in fact. Yes. <laughs> and that's the that sea turtle moment is the one time where I've, I try to figure out how Marlin gets down off of there or when the moment happens, but I usually get distracted because it's so beautifully done and so mm-hmm. perfectly timed. Um. But yeah, let, let's go back to the flying because you also sure. are you're you're wired in a in a rig and doing flips yeah, they, and curls. Dory and I, Dory and I both fly. We both have our own uh, rigs. Done the flying by Foy, which actually did the flying for Peter Pan for my mother, which is super cool. Um, <laughs> the, the same company that did uh, her flight rig is the one that does my flight rig, so that's that's pretty neat. Um, and yeah, it's it's something that when I first started doing it was probably one of the scariest things I've ever done in my life. Um, and now it's probably my favorite part of the show because it's so freeing and so exciting. And I know that from an, if I was in the audience watching that, what I would be feeling. Um, and that gets me going because I'm like, you know, this is this is magic for those kids who are like, wow, look at them. They're up and they're they're swimming through the ocean, you know. Yeah. How high up off the stage floor do you think you are? Oh, I wouldn't even be able to guess. Uh, Twenty feet? Is that song yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you're bouncing on top, up and down off of uh, jellyfish. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah. And I, my, my fate is in the hands of whoever's running the uh, the soy rig. Hopefully, it's uh, it's not Tony. Tony knows I'm joking. That's why I can say that. <laughs> So, so you've got to you've got to coordinate with the jellyfish that you're bouncing off of correctly while he's pulling the rig up and down behind the scenes and you're yeah. well it's 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 um it's automated the, the rigging but they have to press the buttons and and hopefully uh i'm kind of the, uh, uh a car without a, a driver in a lot of ways because i'm going to go where the wires take me so the jellyfish are the ones who actually have to stay aware and be like oh i have to move a little bit to the left or i have to move a little bit to the right so um yeah <laughs> And then the best part for me is the songs. And you know, this it surprised me when I found out who wrote all the songs for Finding Nemo the musical. Uh-huh. And me too. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Lopez, who, does, who did uh, Avenue Q, which is the first puppetry show I ever did, so it was really cool to come full circle that way as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, also wrote Frozen and Frozen 2, another you know, mega huge superstars yeah. um, this was their uh show that they did i believe it was right after avenue q um uh, disney was looking at possibly i think they were trying to do this on broadway um and then they were like no we want to keep it here in the park and we want to do it a little bit uh, a smaller version of it um i think that's what they were trying to do with it don't take my word on that um but anyway uh yeah so it's, the music and the the writing of it um uh bobby and his wife are, are just an amazing uh creative duo and uh it's really easy as an actor to come to a script or a musical like this when the music is so good and the script is so good to come off like you know what you're doing and to come off like you're a good actor because a lot of the work is already there in the words and in the in the text. So uh, props to them. It's a, it's a wonderfully uh, written show. 
Yeah, I mean, you, 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 the Lopez's have uh, have uh, what a couple of Emmys, a couple of Grammys, an Oscar he got an or two. Now, doesn't he? I think yeah. he has an EGOT. Yeah. Um, and and you know they still come to see Nemo. Uh, I met them. They came, uh, I guess, a year ago now. Uh, they usually come once a year on a trip, and they make sure they come see it. They give a little gift basket behind for us back in the in the in the uh, the green room. Uh, they come back and take pictures. They're so kind and so generous with their time and with their their love of the show. Um, so they're they're still invested in this. I mean, this this is one of their their favorite pieces that they've done, if I understand them correctly, um, and for good reason because I think it's a it's a really wonderful piece. Now, on a on an average day when you're working, the show's mm-hmm. 37, 38 minutes long. How many shows will you do? Um, so uh, Disney, uh, the, the show itself usually does five or six shows per day. Um, there's different show times. So it's usually 11 or 12, and the last show is usually 4.30. Um, and uh, as Marlin, when I play Marlin, um, I usually do two or three shows. Some days I do one show. Um, and if I'm playing Gil, which is another one of the roles that I know in the show, um, because maybe someone called out uh, sick or if they need me to switch over for some reason, um, I usually still only do one to three, but I could technically do up to five, I believe, of Gil uh, in a day. Um, it just depends on the, the difficulty of the role and how hard it is on your body and your voice and stuff. They have to be kind of careful about that. Yeah, because a, a three-show day, that means a, as Marlon, you're performing for pretty much 90 minutes with a couple of 20-minute breaks in between? Yeah, so basically, I, you know, you, you would get to get to work, you'd get prepared before the show, you would do a show, you have a break before the next show, you do the next show, break, which probably might be a longer break depending on where the uh, the schedule lines up, and then you do your, your, your last shift, and then you pass on the torch to another amazingly talented person who... Uh, uh, also shares the role with you. Do you have an, uh, a warm-up or exercise routine that you do to keep fit? Because that, that puppet's not light either. Oh, man, keep fit. After this COVID-19 stuff, I have to figure out a way to get back into shape so I can see <laughs> my way through bread. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, you know, when, when I'm doing the show, I like to go to the gym three times at least a week just to kind of get things moving. Um, there's a physical trainer backstage, uh, who kind of helps if you're, you know, if you tweak something or something's not feeling right, they can kind of help you out or point you to uh, medical services if they think that it's something that you actually have to get checked out from a company standpoint, like you know, uh, legally. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, vocal warmups on the drive to work or backstage. Um, Marlon, luckily for me, sits in a place in my voice where it's not super um, challenging in terms of range, so I'm not having to like, you know really warm up my high A's or anything like that. I think Marlon goes to an S, um, which is pretty uh, standard for, for my voice. Uh, so vocally, I'm not as challenged. But Brian, uh, my fiancé who plays Crush, is, you know, sings in the stratosphere. Yeah. Um, so he has to he has to warm up uh, his voice uh, far more than, than, than I do. On the flip side, my body is taking much more of a hit than his is because he, you know, plays bubbles in the tank and then is on a turtle. <laughs> yeah, and he's standing on you know, he's on top of the turtle. He's not actually doing anything inside the turtle to make the turtle move. Yeah, he, he yeah, he sings uh, on top of it basically like he's riding a surfboard. Um I think that the idea for for um uh for Crush was to kind of do like a Beach Boys um kind of uh surfer kind of vibe to it. So that's why he's up there like that. It's kind of, it, he's kind of got that California cool dude. Yeah, man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
is it common for most of the performers in the cast to play two to to know two parts or to know more than yeah. um it, uh, yeah i'd say it's common it's not it's not universal or anything like that by any means there are people who who know one one role and or or, or, or there are some people uh, who know multiple like four or five uh different ensemble roles and and stuff like that um uh, i've only been with the show for two years um which sounds like a lot and it is in terms of an acting job but it doesn't feel a lot down at email because there are people who've been there for 10 years um or more and who know multiple roles because they've had so much time to learn and you know time yeah. to train in new things um it just depends what you're right for like i got cross-trained as gill um a lot of marlins know gill um or uh there's one marlin who knows marlin and bloat which is one of the other fish in the tank yep um so usually they try to uh marlin and gill is a good mix because gill tends to be a much uh easier uh uh show experience so if you're struggling physically or vocally or something like that um and you're able to switch with somebody it, it provides a nice kind of uh easy easier day as it were yeah because i mean yeah. it, you you gotta it's be still a hard role but it's just not as i mean marlin is a, a, a beast you got to be exhausted at the end of a three-show day where you can just barely get yourself home. I do. They 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 have showers backstage, and after my third – three-show days are hard. Uh, after my third show, I usually just go in there and kind of rest my arm against the side of it and just like let the kind of cool water hit me and kind of cool off a little bit. Um, it's, a, it's an exhausting show, but it's worth it, you know? When you see the response that you see out in the audience, you see these kids' faces light up. This might be the first show they've ever seen or might ever see in their life, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, so every time that you go out on that stage, for me at least, I want to make sure that I am giving them the best experience that they can have every time they, they come see it. And and the puppet weighs, what, about six, seven pounds? Uh, Marlin is a bit... Oh, jeez, that's a good question, too. I think Marlin's closer to 10 pounds. Um, and then there are... Other, I mean, if Bruce is, is way more than that. Bruce has got to be 30, at least. Um, so, uh, yeah. And you think 10 pounds isn't the end of the world, but try holding your arm up in, like, a shoulder press position with the 10-pound weight in it for six minutes or seven minutes and <laughs> yeah. see it, it it you can get quite a burn going up in, in your delts well and on marlin you can also control his mouth and his eyes so you've got a couple of controls that you're running while holding him up with that one hand uh correct and we have to make it look like it's swimming obviously and keep it alive so usually uh what i do is i have one hand uh my left hand which controls both uh the mouth mechanism and the um the eye mechanism and then my other hand is used for bracing the puppet and for flicks, which are basically how you make the, the fish look like it's swimming and more of it like a dexterity control. Yep. But what's cool, too, about puppetry is everyone does it differently. So uh, there is a Marlin who does opposite hands. There is a Marlin who does, I think, one trigger per hand. Um and then the Nemo puppet is totally different, and the Dory puppet is totally different, and the Gill puppet is totally different. So uh, it's it's a it's a really cool. Um, I think puppetry is awesome. I can geek out about puppetry all day long if you want. <laughs> do you have uh, just a couple more things on on Finding Nemo? Do you, do you have a yeah. favorite song? A favorite song? I, I'll go with the flow. How can you not? Right? Yeah. It's 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 a it's a great song. I mean, it's. And if it's done well, like you know, my, my fiance Brian and and all, I mean all the all the uh, uh, crushes sing it well, but I'm obviously partial to my fiance. Um, 
it's 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 captivating and it gives you chills i mean i've heard that song gosh 700 times now sitting on that turtle and it's still every time i get up there i'm like all right now it's the cool song right the cool song um so that's my favorite and there, there is, there's a couple of life lesson songs in in the musical because there's "Go with the Flow" and then "Just Keep Swimming." Is you know, I mean, we're yeah. we're, we're talking really yeah. deep psychological stuff here. Pixar is known for doing that, yeah. um, and and Finding Nemo is no exception. And that's why those that's why those movies resonate so much. They look simple, you know. Pixar movies look like they're just kind of little cartoons for kids, but they are not. They're dealing mm-hmm. with super deep issues. I mean, Inside Out, that's a <laughs> That's that's you know a psychology class. Uh, and I dare you to be a grown adult and and try to get through up without crying. Oh, you can't. The first time that it's because it's real. Yeah, we know that story. Like that's a story that we all feel, and we want that. You know, in a way, I mean, it's a sad story, but I want that story. I want to be in love like that, and I am in love like that. Um, but like you know, you want. That's why Pixar films and why Disney films in general, I find, are so smart and so great because they are. Uh, they, they're a really good blend between accessibility and challenge. Yep. They're accessible to everybody, but they challenge you to feel things and they challenge you to think about things in ways that maybe you haven't before. And my my favorite part of Finding Nemo the musical is at the end when Nemo's going to go off to school and Marlon says goodbye and then Marlon makes that big inhale or exhale and... Mm-hmm. Then it goes dark, and and I'm like, I'm usually glad it's going dark at that point because then I can put my sunglasses on real quick, so nobody notices that it might be a little, uh, might be a little <laughs> dusty inside there. Yeah, and that moment, I mean, that that's I don't like, I don't want, I'm not going to talk about what it means to me as a performer because that's it, it's more important about what it means to you as a as an audience member. But that moment is, um, it's such an amazing as an actor. There's something called a cap which is basically you get what you want. Um, uh, and it's very rare in theater to get what you want because that's what drama is, right? The conflict yeah. of trying to get what you want and not getting it. But in this show, seeing your Marlon finds a way to find peace with the reality of what the world is. And so he kind of gets his cap. And as an actor, that's so fulfilling to end a show like that because you can walk off stage and be like, that's, that's a complete arc. I did the whole journey. You know, yeah. got where you needed to go, and that's that's a really wonderful uh, experience. And then you get to go backstage for about twenty seconds before you have to come back out for your <laughs> for your bow. And I get to come out for my bow. I don't have to come out. I, I'm thrilled to come out for the yeah. bow. Yeah. Um, and let me sing a little bit more. Do a little bit more puppetry, and I get to go out on the the um. There's a little pathway in the middle, um, and I get to go out there and say hi to kids who are sitting close by, which is such a cool part of the of the show. It might be my favorite part of performing the show actually is at the end being able to go out and like look at kids in the face with the puppet and have them touch the side of Marlon. There was a kid who, who grabbed Marlon's face, like a two year old and kissed the cheek of the puppet. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, I was a mess. Like, come on, that's, that's, that's magic. Yeah. Well, I, I got kind of, uh, I got, I got kind of uh, all flustered one time when Dory kissed me on the forehead. Uh, Cause <laughs> we always like to sit right down in one of the front two rows, either left or right of that, of that walkout platform and yeah, uh, get as close as we high. can. If you, if you get too close, I find that the sight lines aren't the best, but a couple rows back in the, in the front section is uh, those are the prime seats. And they're actually the seats that they have for, uh, uh, the, uh, fast pass. So if you come down to Disney and you want the best seats, I suggest getting a fast pass for finding Nemo. 
Yep. And then real quickly, you did one other part that I'm really interested in because I think it might be cooler than Marlin, but you just played Snoopy recently. I did. Uh, I did. Um, down here in, uh, in Florida, um, there's a, a theater in Winter Park called Winter Park Playhouse, which is a really wonderful uh, kind of regional, small Phoenix theater. Um, and uh, I'd seen some shows out there with some other friends from Disney, and I saw that they were doing Your Good Man, Charlie Brown, and Snoopy is a role I've always wanted to do. Uh, Roger Bark and Snoopy uh, on Broadway uh, was one of my first like show idols. Um, I thought he was brilliant uh, in that show, and I've always wanted to do it since then. I got to meet him at the Drama Desk Awards that year, the random fact. Anyway, so uh, I auditioned for it, and um, actually, no, I didn't audition for Snoopy. Oh, there's a whole story here. Uh, I auditioned for another show there called Desperate Measures, um, and I wasn't quite right for it. Uh, but the director, Roy Allen, uh, really liked me, um, which I thank him for, and he kept trying to sign a position for me in his season and I think the person who originally was going to do Snoopy couldn't or something. And anyway, so then he was like, hey, can you come in and audition for Snoopy? And I said, absolutely. Um, and luckily, uh, I, I got the, the gig and it was a huge hit. Um, I Matt Palm at the Orlando Sentinel and like, you know, best supporting actor nominee or whatever. Um, and it was really cool, again, to do some stuff outside of Nemo, which uh, a great thing about this, the Nemo job is you work during the day. So you have the evenings. Yeah. to theoretically do shows outside of work, outside of your, your quote-unquote day job, which is, for me, performing an amazing show. So win-win. Uh, uh, Jeffrey, the uh, Korea, your last name is spelled C-O-R-R-E-I-A. The reason I mm -hmm. mention that is so that people can follow, they can go to your website and follow you on Instagram and keep track of what you're doing. I am, first of all, thank you again for coming on and doing this. Thank you for putting on my favorite show. And I'm telling you, the minute the shows are back up and running, we are down at Walt Disney World. And I'll be down there in my, uh, you know, my, my, my second or third row spot right by the, right by the wall watching you. So thank you oh, again. Thanks. And my pleasure, and, and, and thanks so much for supporting the show, and I, I can't wait to see you all out there uh, with your, your, your masks on, but supporting our show. I, I, <laughs> we, can't wait to, we can't wait to be back. I'll, I'll have to get a Dory mask. That'll, that'd be, yeah, yeah. I think they should, Disney should, should do that, right? They should have, like, character masks that you can choose which one you want to be for the day. I think that's a smart idea. I'm going to pitch that to somebody. There you go. Uh, once again, Jeffrey, thank you very much. Thank you to smokingpipes.com, Savinelli, Missouri Mearsham, and Cornell and Deal. And uh, that's just been some food for thought. <laughs>